Okay, welcome to the big show. Dim lights and stiff drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. We like to visit those old historic drinking establishments and dive bars. And usually we uh we boast about how you know we're not recording from the comfy confines of some home studio somewhere. Uh, what are we doing this week? What are we doing tonight? We actually are recording from the comfy confines of each of our home studios. We had a little uh, scheduling mishap, some last-minute scheduling changes, so we couldn't record our normal episode, so we decided to kind of do something on the fly. So tonight, this is what we're doing. We decided that we're going to record via Zoom. You know, if this was like the early 90s, early 2000s, this would be, what would we call it, an e-meeting? You know, like they used to always put an e before everything you're doing anything online like yeah i'm gonna give you an e-gift and we're having an e-meeting well we're having an e-meeting tonight so that's why you don't hear that the chatter and the clings of bottles in the background and the music and the crowd we are recording from our home studios and what we're going to do tonight a special thanksgiving episode special e episode a special e thanksgiving episode thank you <laughs> And uh, now they just call it commerce. It's no longer e-commerce. It's just how business is done. Yeah, e has been taken out of the equation. That's probably a good thing. It's like horseless uh, carriage at this point, like yeah, what they right. called automobiles. So we're going to record a special episode tonight. So we're going to go around and we're going to talk about each of our favorite old drinking establishments that we used to visit back in the Dizay that are no longer around. You know, Seattle in the last 15, 20 years, a lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, a lot of bowling alleys and those kind of places have uh, met the big wrecking ball in the sky and have closed down, sadly. So we're going to just take a, a trip down memory lane and visit some of the our favorite ones from the past that are no longer around. And like I said, this is going to be kind of a short episode. And then we're going to resume recording uh, here soon. We're wrapping up season two. We got a couple more episodes uh, that we're going to be recording. We're going to be going to Pogies. It's going to be our next visit, Pogies Tavern in West Seattle. Uh, and then we're going to be visiting Shorty's uh, in Belltown for our final uh, episode of season two. And then we're going to take a little break and then we'll resume season three. But for tonight, we're going to talk about our favorite uh, dive bars from the past. And uh, so to kind of kick things off, Lou, what was your favorite dive bar from the past? And what would you like to tell us about it? <laughs> He's like mute, <laughs> rookie. Yeah, we got blue on here. Yeah, you got a moron. Is that a Maroni? I'll take it. <laughs> All right, but anyway, let's do some housekeeping. We got to introduce the house band, Satan's Pilgrims. Their name's going to come up later tonight. Uh, we got the mayor of Sudstown here, Jeremy. How you doing? How's going? As always with us is producer Supreme Bob Trombley and resident historian Brad. Hello, everybody. Yeah, so my favorite drinking place from the past is the, uh, the Buckaroo Tavern in Fremont. I used to live in Fremont for a couple of years back in the 90s, mid-90s around there. And every Friday night, I'd get together with the crew and we'd go hit the buck for a night of drinking and pool playing. And uh, it was such a cool place. It just had such a cool vibe. And I used to love going there. And uh, Wait, where was the Buckaroo? I don't remember what street. I want to say, was it on 36? It was in the Fremont neighborhood. So a lot of times we would just walk there. You know, it was, it was close enough. 
but yeah, lots of lots of good memories at the Buck. They had awesome nachos, I remember. But the cool thing about the nice. Buckaroo, so I don't remember what year they closed. I want to say they closed like 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. I don't know. I don't remember the exact year. I was really bummed when they closed. But the cool thing about it is when they closed down, they kept all their stuff. The, the owners did in like a garage. And then they had an estate sale and I was actually able to go to the estate sale and see all the old buckaroo stuff, like all the, the sign, for instance, that used to be in front with the cowboy, all their the beer signs they had inside, all the stuff, all their old seats and stuff. So it was really cool being able to go back and uh, see all the old stuff, uh, taking a trip down memory lane years later. And we so just saw the sign recently, right? Yeah, it's in Georgetown. So John Bennett, the guy that owns a lot of places in West Seattle, uh, he bought it. And where we saw it at, he owns that place. I think it's called Georgetown Brewer. Or, uh, what is it? The Georgetown Bar or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Right next so to he, re- Jules he had it Maze. restored. Right, ne- right next to Jules Maze. Yeah. So he had it restored. It's, it's hanging there in all its old glory. Looks awesome. So if you're ever in Georgetown, uh, pop in and say hello to an old friend, the old Buckaroo sign. Yeah. So, uh, Lou. Wait, you still, you still owe us a Buckaroo story. Tell us about the time you got so, uh, ripped there. They had to take you out on a log. Yeah, no, I don't have any good Buckaroo stories. It was always dark. The thing though, is there, it was considered like a biker bar. When you went there, there was always motorcycles out front. So you always, when we first started going there, it was like, uh Oh, as I talked to those dudes, the bikers that were there, they weren't like Hell's Angels or anything like that. They were laid back Pacific Northwest bikers. So they were like totally cool. No, they weren't they weren't out there looking for a fight. So the whole time I was there, like my two years of going there, I never once saw a fight. I never saw the bikers get pissed off. It was just the intimidation factor of seeing all the bikes in front and and being like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. No, the bikes out front, turns out they're all like Microsoft retirees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they were all cool. Okay, I'm going to buy a Harley. Fuck yeah. Yeah, uh, last question. Did, um, did, was the uniform part of it, you know, like jeans, uh, leather vest over a denim jacket, patches, beard, headband, leathers? Uh, kind of they weren't like they weren't part of a gang like the bikers there they were just kind of hobbyists more or less but i never met them where like they were part of a gang where they had patches or anything like that well no that's not what a I, gang. Mean. Were, I mean that's just the dress they code. Were just it's like back. total cosplay harley riders they just yeah. you can't ride a harley and oh look okay you yeah to put on the way to make some, some instant that. enemies there lou yeah. yeah harley riders <laughs> come on but this was the 90s everyone was kind of dressing like that so yeah. save it for the convention yeah <laughs> uh, anyway so yeah you want me to do the uh, okay hotel was mine all right oh uh, yeah the, the okay hotel to me was a bar and music venue and it's located right under the alaska way viaduct and the club there had a 15-year run that came to an end in 2001 from the nisqually earthquake which damaged several buildings in the area. Remember that thing? So yeah, it shut down at that. And it sits there now as a high rise called the OK Hotel Apartments. And similar to the Central Saloon from the previous podcast, in the early 90s, it was a place to see a bunch of awesome bands before they became huge, right? It was the first club where Nirvana played 
smells like teen spirit. How about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all those guys play there. Soundgarden <laughs> played there, Mother Love Bone, Green River, etc. Um, Queens of the Stone Age played their first uh, live show there, right? And uh, another claim, this last claim to fame was, you, you guys remember the movie Singles, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a point where they all go to an Alice in Chains show, and that was filmed there. Yeah. <clears throat> so I do have a good memory of that place, and it was a show I went to see with my friend Rob. And uh, he was like, yeah, I have a friend of a friend. He said that the band's awesome. We should go check them out there at the OK Hotel. And so we got there, and they were second on the bill. And the band that was first was uh, Hater. Remember Hater? Yeah, I actually do, yeah. Yeah, Hater was a side project of uh, Ben Shepard, the bass player for Soundgarden. And uh, Gus had that album. There were a couple good songs on it. Uh, Who Do I Kill was my favorite song on there. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Rob's Friends Band comes on, and they killed. It was like a mix of Melvins and noise punk, just all heaviness and noise. And the singer was wailing, growling away. And I do remember the drummer was a monster. I'd never seen anybody hit that hard. I don't know how the drum set held up, you know? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing the kid could handle it. And they were a chaos band. They were like spitting on stage and wrenching on their instruments and just trashing them and like amazing injury, a- energy amazing energy, thunderous noise, and the crowd just went nuts for it, right? And then Hater had to follow that. (laughs) And, like, Hater was a very 90s alternative, you know? It was, like, loose, kind of garagey. The guitars weren't heavy with tons of distortion, and they were just getting blown off the stage. And so then they tried to, like, step up their game and play their harder songs, and they were... Like, you know, not even anything compared to the previous band. And so they started to try to be attitude. And they were like banging on their instruments too and just kind of scowling at everybody. And uh, so it was pretty weak. But um, my friend Rob, he could get a little salty. And he was like, These guys suck. You said they were good. They're trying to match the energy of the first band and they look like posers. And so then he started to heckle them. <laughs> it sounds like, like a hater to me. Total hater. That's you guys named yourself hater. You should be ready for this, you know. And like, (laughs) you guys need to turn down the suck. Like after song, posers, quit trying to be something you're not. Boo. (laughs) And it was. It's a small enough club that, like, obviously the band was looking at him all night. And so Ben Shepard started staring us down because he probably didn't know which one of us it was coming from, and. uh but it was like it sounds like a great friend to take to a concert. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. Yeah. So Ben was staring us down. I was like, "What are we supposed to be scared?" And then after one song, he goes, "Okay, the next song. This is called Who Do I Kill.' This is my favorite song on the record." And he just like stared at us the whole time he played it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I couldn't resist myself. After that, I was like. Who do I kill, Ben? We know who you're going to kill. Who do I kill? And after every song, he was getting that. And so uh, at the end of the night, the shower was over. We had a drink, went in the bathroom. And me and Robert were doing our thing. And when we turn around, there's, there's fucking Ben. And he was like leaning against the wall with a cigarette in his mouth and hair over his eyes, trying to look tough. And he was like, you guys got a fucking problem? 
And uh, Rob doesn't really flinch from anything. He had a great line. He was like, no, no problem here. We had fun watching your asses getting blown off the stage. And then he hit him with a, we're leaving. You can go in the stall and play with your dick now. And then we just walked out. I assume he didn't follow us in there to kick our ass or he would have brought some backup, you know, because two of us. But, uh, yeah, that's my uh, encounter with Soundgarden, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what were you guys doing in the bathroom together before Ben Shepard came in? Mm-hmm. Uh, your thing, so you said. Doing it's not your like thing. it is now with gender-neutral bathrooms with locks on it. It was the trough with a bunch of ice in it. <laughs> okay. It was like a three-person. Like in your noses or something. <laughs> yeah. No, we were just melting ice. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Look, looking, looking to freshen up your drinks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah. What way to way to make some enemies and piss off a band and uh, <laughs> all in one night. It was fun though. They, I mean, they kind of deserved it. They were just dying up there and trying to act all tough. And they were posers. Good for Rob for letting them know. Yeah, you can't handle a heckler. Come on now. Note to self: Do not see a show with Lou and Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said Rob. Yeah, I was trying to cover up your name, Brad. All right. Well, so Jeremy, I've, got a, I've, got an, uh, I've got an anecdote your for your uh, pissing off the band. Uh, okay. Oh hotel, yes, please. So, so I. I also love the OK Hotel. That was a, a great, great venue. Um, I used to live uh, in uh, First Hill area, so I was kind of equidistant from like downtown and Belltown and Capitol Hill or whatever. So we used to kind of trudge around in that kind of uh, you know, triangle uh, corridor there. And the OK Hotel was probably one of the furthest, but it was one of my favorites. And I have a story where, you know, going in there, they had uh, a cover... Uh, charge to get in, which they didn't always do, but they, you know, sometimes had a cover for a live band. So it was like, you know, five bucks or something cheap, but they didn't tell you what the cover was for. Like there was, we didn't know like what the bands were or anything like that. It was just, they were just charging a cover. And like we did, I was with a couple of friends where like him and Han going, oh, should we pay five bucks? I don't know. If you have another <laughs> bar that doesn't have, you know, doesn't have a cover on Well, fuck it. We're here. Let's, let's just pay the five bucks. We pointed up the five bucks going there. There's nobody in there. It was completely dead. It was probably like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something. There was like nobody in there. Probably because most people are like five dollar cover, fuck that, and they went over to you know another one of the bars in Pioneer Square. But uh, just a few minutes later, um, completely unannounced, not on the bill, was um, Corey Glover from uh, Living Color, and this was just after he had split uh, in Living Color, and he had his own um, his own band that he put together, kind of like for a little side project. And he did just an amazing, amazing show at the Hokey Hotel, completely unannounced. There was maybe. 20 people in the joint it was like it was like nobody there but he just wailed, nice. just wailed a lot of uh, original cool. material but also you know uh, threw in a couple of uh, living color songs just to just to juice it up and it was it was it was fantastic amazing show nice shout out to yeah. okay hotel for sure that brings up one that i wanted to talk about there too which is uh, the good old nightlight which was uh, mm. another, another one that um that kind of kind of bit Bit the big one in the one of the one of the initial waves of gentrification of Belltown back in the early two thousands, and 
that was a that was a real favorite one. Like I said, I used to live in Capitol Hill, so we used to we either we'd have to choose between heading down to like Belltown or downtown for one of the bars like the uh, like the Nightlight, or uh, heading up to Capitol Hill and hitting up something like a you know, Moe's or the Comet or something like that. Yeah, I met a lot of people yep. there. Yeah, and just the Nightlight for our listener is right next to the Moore Theater, which is a classic yeah. theater where you'd see a person a band that could sell two thousand seats or something like that. Yeah, but and the Nightlight was kind of like. It felt underground, right? It was like dark. You kind of went down. There were just various nooks around there. You're what was originally uh, owned in a basement. by Curcio Brothers. Oh, yep. It was one yep. of their first strip joint. It was like kind of a titty bar. It was like a an early strip bar. And you could tell walking into the joint, it, it had some like 70s decor that had not been touched or dusted or cleaned <laughs> since it like was originally hung up. And it definitely had like, it had the kind of kind of this retro vibe, but like before retro vibes were kind of cool, you know, like <laughs> retro vibe because the place had just been kind of forgotten, but it had all sorts of like kitsch stuff and they had like chandeliers and shit on the, from the ceilings and stuff. It just had a really cool, really cool feel to it. You know, it's funny you bringing that up, Lou, about like, you know, one thing I was thinking that, that's kind of cool about a lot of the places, not only that we have recorded at, but that we're also kind of reminiscing about that aren't any here anymore, is is a, a cool dive bar feature, which is you got the bar, okay, that's kind of mandatory for, for a dive bar, but then you, you've also got like these little places either spread around the joint or whatever, where you can just like seclude yourself, right? Like, I'm going to go here with my friends and yes. whatever, I'm going to go sit that alone and, total and, and cry into my nightlife. beer, or, you know, whatever. You, you got like these go little makeup. areas where you can yeah, exactly yeah. like you do whatever the hell kind of uh illicit uh you know activities you want to do or or you know whatever uh, so uh, uh, often it seems like more often than not a good dive bar's got uh, got the place where you can hang out and you know uh, rub elbows with some buddies at the bar or whatever but if you want to be left the fuck alone you got like all these little nooks and little nooks and crannies oh my gosh in the bathrooms of that bar we're always really hopping probably more so, sometimes more so than the actual bar itself <laughs> That cool bar that is no longer around that was fairly close to the nightlight was uh, the Cloud Room. Did you guys oh, know yeah. that? Oh, night? yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I only know the name. I've never actually been there. Well, it's not open anymore. Uh, they, they closed it down, but it used to be like a kind of an after hours place almost you'd go to, and it was rooftop downtown. And if it was during the summertime, it was awesome because you were just hanging what was out. The, what, what was that? Do you remember what building roof. was it at the top of? That that, uh, that classic building had a name. It's not the whole building's yeah. gone now. But oh, that was a classic building. I have it, been it, up there. It's the Hamlin. Ha, the Ham Hanlon. The Hamlin. Yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I have been there. I take it back. That place kicks ass. <laughs> Kicked ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wanted to uh, do a tag on your story. I was in the nightlight when the real world Seattle came there. Oh, jeez. Oh, nice. oh, my God. Do you remember that show? Yeah, explain to the listener, Jeremy, what is the real world on MTV? You know, I, I'm probably not a good person to explain. I only saw like maybe like one episode or something, but, you know, everybody was kind of sad. So, I, you know, came out before I lived in Seattle. But it was definitely like, even if you'd never been to Seattle, it just had, you know, the, the mystique. And then you see these people and it, it just it just had this kind of weird, kind of creepy feel to it. Because it's like, okay, it's supposed to be kind of showing like how kind of cool like Seattle can be. But it also had a real kind of pretentious kind of fake in it. Well, it was the end to it. And, <laughs> and that's kind of, that was the, really the first reality show. 
if you want to credit yeah. it. They just took yeah. six people. That's right. Six yeah, what's, stereotypes. What's this guy wants to be a dancer. This guy's an actor. This guy's a nerd. This guy's a jock. Put him in a house and film how they feel about things. And uh, so can you imagine, you, you just described the nightlight. Like, it's like, it's dark. We're partying. Get the fuck out of here with your cameras. And that's exactly what happened. So they thought they were <laughs> they got, That's the reception they got everywhere in Seattle. Seattle yeah. was down with the, the real world. Like, yeah, you heard about they, that, Brad? Oh, yeah. Wherever they went, they would get heckled. I was on the Capitol Hill, and they went up there, and people were, like, throwing shit at them and yelling at them. And they were not... <laughs> Seattle did not embrace the real world at all when they were filming here. That's so funny. That's right. And I think yeah. Seattle represent, like, in New York and L.A. and Chicago and Atlanta, everyone's like, ooh, cameras. I want to be on cameras. And Seattle are like, yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> cameras. Yeah. <laughs> we want to keep but, it fake. Especially in the nightlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! We talked about it that in, a, in an episode or two ago. Uh, the whole idea of the Seattle freeze, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like, uh, <laughs> it's the real, real world. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> yeah. It's real. That's why. You, that's why you go to a dive bar. <laughs> I, I need to get out of the cold. <laughs> the real world. <laughs> so oh, uh, let's do some uh, round robin. Just honorable mention. Throw out bar names. I'll start. Uh, Eileen's. Slash uh, Ernie Steels. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. And, which is actually Capital still Hill. it's still open. It's just a different name and totally different vibe and feel to it. It's like Julia's, right? It's like a little cafe now called Julia's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah I'll sure. second. I'm going to second Eileen's. Uh, God, I used to go there so much with uh, Steve. Yeah. For some reason, me and Steve used to go there all the time, and uh, that place was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, I, I got I got two of them for you. One was literally right next door to where I lived. Uh, you guys remember? And it's not it's not a dive bar by any means, but it had it had just the it, just an, an unbelievable um, uh, vibe and atmosphere that has never since been replicated. Uh, Vito's up in, up in First Hill. Remember? Okay, that one. Yeah, right. uh, which I I just read a little while ago that it's it's closed now, but they're they're planning on trying to reopen it uh, as Vito's again, maybe. So all right, uh, after a, a very mysterious fire apparently gutted the joint. So all right, we'll keep our fingers crossed. The other one that was uh, really fun and it has is just dripping with some Seattle history over in the U District, uh, the Red Robin Tavern. Oh yeah. As remember that one right on the uh, right on the Montlake Cut there, great place. One of the, if not the first is, Red sorry, Robin is restaurant. Red Robin a dive bar? What no, totally not. <laughs> yeah. Bar. Nope. It started nope. out You're as not... a dive bar. Oh, it did. Well, yeah. Well, it was a, uh, Well, it was called Red Robin Tavern. Yeah, it wasn't even considered a, like a restaurant when it first opened. Wow. It's basically known yeah. as Sam's Tavern, and I want to record there for season three, but. The guy that owned Red Robin sold it, and then it, it uh, closed. But his son now runs Sam's Tavern, so hopefully we'll record there soon. Nice. Is that the Sam's Tavern that has multiple locations and has the killer burger? Yeah, but there's one Sam's Tavern that has all the old Red Robin memorabilia. So oh. that's what we're going to record. Nice. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brad, you're next. Dead Die Bar. I, I, I was going to say Eileen's too with you. Nice. 
All right, so uh, we're getting close to uh, time to knock it on the head, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Can't even do what you're drinking. I'm, like, not drinking nothing. <laughs> Pathetic. It's like, okay, we need to screw this recording Robin. from home and get our asses in a bar, for the love of God. I have Stone, uh, uh, stone Brewing, uh, delicious IPA, 7.7. All right. All right. Yep, that's a good you can, beer, you Brad. You take a couple got? of chugs for the rest of us. Yeah, I'm not drinking anything either. Yeah, what a bunch of Thank losers. God one of us is. Oh, yeah. Well, well I, now that we're talking about this shit, I think I need to sign off and go grab myself a brewski. All right. Well, uh, Brad, take us up. Well, happy it. holidays. It is right about Thanksgiving, in case you're uh, listening to this episode. So, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will regroup probably after Thanksgiving and uh, get one of our final episodes of the season, right? Yeah, we're going right. to be doing pogies next. So, uh, stay tuned for Perfect. that. And in the meantime, yeah. Thanks, everybody.